What's up everybody? This week we continue our discussion about the women of 90s rock and look what could be classed as fraud. That and a whole lot more is to come because maybe if I think I'm paranoid then it's sure to make you happy. Welcome to the show. You know, I'm never going to get tired of uh, sitting here and doing this stuff, but uh, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, hope you're all having a good week, a good weekend. Uh, I apologize for getting this out late. I know uh, usually I try and drop it in the afternoon on a Sunday, and uh, we're kind of looking at, I don't know, about 10, 30, 11 o'clock uh, in the night when we're dropping it. I apologize for people who, who like to listen. Um, I've just been very, very busy the last couple of days, the last couple of weeks, actually, as, as I mentioned. And uh, this week in particular, I got everything recorded, and... I, I just had a couple of real, real bad days, you know, like I, like, you know, like, well, not like I usually do, but I have a couple of bad days where I wasn't feeling myself, and I just didn't want to edit audio, um, especially after spending all day editing audio, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, I had a, I had a good couple of days in the middle of the week, and then this weekend, I was lucky enough to spend some time out of town, uh, I went from Shreveport, Louisiana, I went to Houston, Texas, I uh, got to see a show, really, really good event, the Holodecks, guys, if you ever get the chance to see them, please come see them, they're fantastic, and yeah, you know, that's that's part of the reason, I mean, yeah, Houston and back, and uh, it's about a five hour drive, for those of you who don't know, and I spent all day today sleeping, and so yeah, you know, it's just, just a whole bunch of stuff that I apologize for getting this out there later than what I usually do, but um, you know, it was all for a good reason, and you know, good fun. Uh, this week was also weird for me, um, on my personal account, on Twitter, uh, I had uh, a tweet that went so much, I mean, I'd say viral, but it wasn't really viral, it was, you know, like, three. I had about 500 retweets of the thread that I posted, and to me, that's a lot, uh, I know there are some people listening who are like, 500, wow, but to me, that's a lot, and my phone just blew up uh, the whole day, um, yeah, it just, it was weird for me, because I couldn't really do anything on the phone, uh, even though I was trying to do some research for this, I'm trying to research my next topic, uh, which I think is Nick Holmby's, uh, High Fidelity, which is, I'm going to do a review on after we're done with Women of Rock, um, but yeah, um, my phone blew up, and I felt really, really big for it for a couple of days, and then, you know, I might be wrong, but, uh, stand by my analysis of why I thought I was right, so that's good, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it does show that I need a vacation, it does show that I need some time away from my life, because even in my leisure time, I'm looking at things in the way of audio production, so that tells me that I'm either obsessed, or I need a holiday, so, um, also this week, uh, 90s legend, uh, independent filmmaker, and one of the, you know, one of my heroes, in terms of, uh, creativity, uh, Kevin Smith, he had a heart attack, a massive heart attack, while he was, uh, doing a couple of one-man shows, and, man, that, that hit me hard, um, you know, that hit me a little bit because, not, be, not because I know the guy or anything like that, but, I mean, he's, he's tried so hard to work on himself, physically and mentally over the last couple of years, and, and, and I know I've been trying to do that, uh, maybe not to the same scale, but, you know, everybody has a different scale, everybody has a different sliding scale, and, you know, it's just, it, it's weird, you know, to hear that, and, you know, thankfully he looks like he's on the road to recovery, and, you know, I'm, I'm on that way myself, too, um, we did have one or two things this week that, that, that weren't great, um, a close friend of the family passed, and, you know, we just, 
it's hit a couple of us hard, and it, it hasn't hit a couple of us hard. It's hit a couple of us really, really terribly. But, um, you know, um, just little things like that are starting to help me in my own personal life, you know, especially with, like I've mentioned, the depression. I've got some health problems that I'm trying to take care of, and the last couple of days, the last couple of weeks, I've been working towards a whole bunch of stuff, so, you know, I'm, I'm starting to feel excited and it's starting to get better. also wanted to clarify something I said last week. Um, I want to apologize for the way it came out. Not for what I meant, not for what I meant, but how it came out. Um, this is what I said. Uh, we had another delay too when, um, you know, I mentioned that uh, we are now responsible for uh, a couple of extra kids uh, because their guardian is very, very sick. And, you know, that's a real, real good thing too. I love having them around. Uh, we're going to feature one of the guys uh, on our podcast. Uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. But, um, you know, what I meant by that, I wasn't trying to say that I'm glad that the person in the situation was sick and not feeling wet and we've got key. Nothing like that. What I meant, you know, what I, what I was trying to say and it came out completely utterly wrong, and I apologize for that. Not I apologize for those who were offended. I just apologize for that because it was it could sound crass. Um, you know, it's 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 hard to watch somebody really really sick, and it's devastating to the whole family. But at the same time, I'm thankful and I'm happy that we are in a position to help uh, the kids who were affected by the situation, that's what I was kind of trying to say, but you know me, I have this weird condition of being able to put both feet in my mouth at the same time, you know, I, 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 I could mess up the ABCs in a way that would irritate someone, so, uh, I'm trying not to, uh, take care of that, well, I'm trying to take care of that, excuse me, see, exactly, just did it right then, not even, not even thinking about it, so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what's happened between the last time I spoke to you guys and, uh, today, so, you know, again, thank you very much for your patience with me, and again, I apologize for getting this out late, you know, um, life happened, but, hey, I still made the Sunday deadline, so that's good, hopefully we'll have next week's episode up and in the bag by Wednesday, so, you know, ready to go, because I'm going out of town again next weekend, so, <laughs> in fact, I'm going out of town pretty much every weekend for the next couple of weeks, so, you know, the, these podcasts are going to be uh, produced very, very quickly, but again, you know, whatever, it's 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 good, life happens, and, and if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this right, and I'm going to treat this, you know, like I should, and talking to doing things like I should, guys, if you're on social media, you will have heard about us dropping this podcast, uh, share the page, share it to your friends, to your family, to your enemies, we're trying to build up our audience, uh, you know, it's, it, we're starting to kind of level out in terms of, of the way things are, I just, you know, the only way I know how to do it is to post things on social media and then say, hey guys, can you share this for me, um, you know, you don't, you, even if you don't listen to it, just, just do me a solid, this, this next couple of times and just send it out the door, we are on Facebook, Twitter and Tumblr, at Because Maybe Pod, uh, we have a blog, a new blog that is supposed to be dropping either, uh, Tuesday or, Mon Monday or Tuesday, um, about my top nine women of rock from Europe, uh, who I think, who I think are the the, 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 the the cream of the crop of European female musicians in the 90s. Now, maybe Sarah should have written this blog, but, I mean, there's a lot of artists in there that I think should get some recognition, especially on this side of the world, who never really got it. Uh, check out our YouTube page. I am starting to uh, get stuff together to put videos together um, of sample content, extra episodes, and so on and so forth, and, you know, just try and build up our audience there. So, guys, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a long chat with Sarah about the Women of Rock, where we look at artists, bands, and um, events that shaped women's rock in the 90s. Scenes of the 90s. Alright guys, welcome back, um, 
we are in part two of our discussion of the Great Woman of Rock, and I am continually joined by the wind beneath my wings, the uh, ah. right, the awesomeness behind whatever you want to call it. The 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 they 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 say behind every successful maid is a great woman. While I'm not successful, but she is a great woman. Sarah Conley, Sarah, how are you? I am fabulous, darling. How are you? I'm doing good. I try to give you a big intro every time, but of course, <laughs> so my, my my creative juices are not flowing to do, to pull something. If I wrote it down, I probably might be able to get something. But uh, it's <laughs> it's not. It's nine o'clock at night. I've been up since five o'clock at this morning, and kids everywhere. Kids, kids everywhere. Great kids, but fabulous kids. Everywhere. kids. Ooh. Just many of them. Just too many of them. They so, don't die, they multiply. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't feed them after midnight. Um, oh, he missed my reference. I can't hear you with the air conditioner. Mm-hmm. Okay, anyway. Enough, enough mindless banter. Mm-hmm. Do you want to dive right into what we're here to talk about? Yes. All right, good. Last week, we spent a little bit of time uh, building the foundation of what... Mm-hmm. What artists in the it, yeah, let me start that again. We built the foundation of what female artists were coming into the nineties, kind of looking like, and we spent a lot of time talking about uh, Courtney Love. Of a course. lot of time talking about Courtney yes. Love. Sorry about that, guys. But you it get was me a, started, and I could, yeah. <laughs> but it was a, it was a good discussion. It was you know very very factual, and you know even even some Nirvana fans who I've spoken to since then um, have have kind of made the point made the thing of yeah you know you've got a, you've got a point you know so Courtney Love is not going to get too many mentions this week because we basically covered a lot yes but we are going to kick things off yes. with just talking about a handful of the bands who were fronted by female lead singers and our songwriters right and how their music shaped up mm-hmm. so we're going to start in my neck of the woods with catatonia i concede the floor <laughs> well no it i know sarah's not a big fan of catatonia oh i'm not um, not a fan no, of catatonia no i understand that i understand that um catatonia originally from south wales um were formed by uh Karis matthews and mark richards they were uh, a couple uh one of the stories is that they they met while buskin formed the band and and that's kind of half true. They knew each other were, and they went busking to test material and, and, and stuff like that out. Uh, Karis Matthews was, was tabloid fodder. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had uh, alcohol problems, and I say had because thankfully she's she's over them now. Um, she was a very, very good uh, poetry writer, I guess the best way you can describe it. Um, her lyrics were more poems than you know just traditional songs and uh the first album they released in the 90s was great uh way beyond blue and it it was really really good it was it was was a good debut album in the sense that you could tell there was something there you know international velvet was you know was fantastic uh, Mulder and Scully is a great song. Yes, Road, Ra- great song. Road Rage is a great song. Strange Glue is epic, and International Velvet itself. If you're Welsh and you do not like International Velvet, there's something wrong with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then their next album wasn't really that good, and they kind of fell off the cliff, and the band kind of imploded, partly due to Karis' uh, uh, problems. But Karis Matthews was, was very, very... She was... What's the best way to say this? She was 
not a musician. She was just a woman. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't change who she was. She didn't change how she was. She was. Uh, she was. I, I hate to say this, but she was your typical girl from from South Wales. Right. You know, loud, obnoxious, tough. You wouldn't want, you know, you wouldn't want to get into a fight with her. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, that whole warmth and she was honest and passionate. Right. Is the best way to describe it. But man, Catatonia were fantastic. I mean, I, I I love them. I think they're great. I've I've got three of their four albums, and they're just so good. Yeah, they fall again into the category of, you know, they. I mean, they if they were known stateside they certainly weren't known in my podunk neck of the woods yeah i i don't think they made too much headway in the states right so i mean until the fact you know until you and i you know got together i had not i mean i'd heard the name before and i mean this is this kind of passing articles and whatnot because i used to i mean i was religious about reading you know rolling stone and spin back in the day before before children (laughs) <laughs> that's my bc before children right. yes Did, when you didn't you were a subscriber to uh q and the enemy as well yes so you you, you knew of a lot of yes. these british acts um one of the reasons i'm bringing up a, a lot of uh i'm, I'm gonna come out this now uh uk and european acts that's kind of the topic of the blog this week mm-hmm. so you know i just want to kind of tie some of that stuff in because there's some really good information in there um the cardigans are next mm-hmm. uh in the united states you probably know them for one song which is love fool Mm, yes, and and which I can't listen to without seeing Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> dancing around. So yes, one of the things about one of the things about that song is the legend goes, and I've not been able to find proof of this, but the legend goes they wrote that as kind of a protest to their label mm-hmm. because the label wanted them to write more songs like that, right. and they were more traditional rock, you know, right, and basically put the record the label made them come out with that and they were kind of like oh crap you know we've we've (laughs) we've got to come up with some better music the thing about um the cardians too is they managed to tap into sweden's greatest ideal when it came to rock music and that was producing an annoyingly simple catchy hook i think the most famous one is europe the final countdown but they you know they they, kind of did that with my favorite game and again the lead singer and whose name escapes me right now i probably should have written it down uh, she had a very, very frosty relationship with the media because the media was all thinking of her as this blonde hair, blue eyed sex symbol, and she was basically, no, f- you, I'm, I'm, I'm a musician, right? Um, I, you know, and as they became more popular, she became more withdrawn to the point where now she lives in New York and and kind of does and does solo stuff, and you have to turn the phone off when we record. <laughs> Um, so going back to the UK, uh, the Queens of Britpop Elastica. Yes. Now, they had an unusual stance with a lot of British acts in the sense that they tried to conquer here first before Mm -hmm. the UK. Uh, they were formed out of the ashes of Suede. Right. Uh, Half the band basically left them. And Justine Frischman. Mm Mm-hmm. Fantastic lyricist. Right. Uh, more of a punk sound than uh you know the 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 rock stuff that was going on more punky love the punk and sadly her relationship with damon alburn overshadowed her musical achievements like if you would ask me and brett anderson too right okay you've derailed me 
Was Damon Auburn with Brett Anderson too? No, 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 no. <laughs> Knowing Damon, I don't know. Uh, no, but Je- Jesse Frischman was dating uh, yes. Brett Anderson, and then when she left the band, they split, and then she started dating Gotcha, Damon. yes. I mean, you know, if you would have asked me, you know, what is Justin Frischman known for? The first thing I would have said was Damon Auburn, and more than that, that song from... Rock profile. Yes, <laughs> I'll post the link on our uh, yes. on our Facebook page. Um, but it's a shame, really, because Elastica were really, really good. Right. I mean, they were. Well, they had to have been, to be, you know, to be, you know, derived from suede. True. Well, I'm not. I'm not. I'll be honest. I'm not a big suede fan. Well, they were great musicians. They were. Whether, great whether they wrote anything that you liked, no. the fact of the matter is, is that they, you know, true, true, right. But Elastica, I mean. Elastic of the way they 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 performed and the way the, the way they carried themselves and everything like that they they had just as much swagger and just as much screw you attitude as a lot of the Britpop guys out there right. and because them and I guess maybe Sleeper were the only two major Britpop acts who were female you know they kind of became they the, these guys kind of became queens of Britpop by default right because Sleeper was just a female lead singer and songwriter. Which is real, real, real funny. The two, if you hear the term uh, "sleeper block," mm, that's more of a Brit term. Than- okay, it's a, it's a British term, but what it means is you have a lead singer who is either glamorous, sexy, mm-hmm. or loud, or mm-hmm. t- and takes the attention away from the rest of the band. Mm-hmm. And the ba- and the band members are called sleeper blocks. Right. So, um, if you've ever seen No Doubt's video for "Don't Sleep," right. "Don't Speak," excuse me, if you see. <laughs> tired everybody if you see the video for don't speak right that whole kind of visualization is the closest example i can give you go watch that and you understand what i mean they're only focusing on gwen stefani and the rest of the band is just banned you know right um talking of british acts but we 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 get to more the single guys uh garbage <laughs> this is where yes. i concede the floor <laughs> You know about as much about garbage as you do about Hall. Um, well, no. Not on that level. No, but. no, no, no. Um, well, I mean, we spoke about it last week. We touched on it. I mean, yeah. you know, um, Shirley was in a band called Angelfish, a little independent, you know, on an independent label, who they had a, uh, a video that was playing on MTV late at night, or it was on 120 Minutes. 120 or, Minutes. Right. And um, Butch and company were watching it and decided that's who they wanted. They were they wanted to put together a band, and they were looking for a lead singer. And it wasn't going to be a grunge band. It was going to be a hard rock no. band. Um, Butch, you know, I'm I'm guessing wanting to distance himself from the whole Nirvana thing. I mean, he was right in with the other two members of the band, and they were doing more like experimental stuff. Right. And they had a lot of instrumental stuff that they had. See, he knows more than he says he does. Had some lyrics. Well, remember, I, I did the blog this week. Uh-huh. Uh, they had some lyrics for, but they wanted a lead singer who right. was not a pop queen. Right. And they wanted a lead singer who they didn't want Kylie Minogue, and they didn't want Courtney Love. Right. They wanted somebody with a unique voice who could be themselves. And I think yeah, but but Shirley, I mean, okay, Sh- Shirley is like glammed up Scottish Courtney. I mean, like if you put yeah. both of them in, in, into a fight, I don't know who'd win. Oh no, I get that, um, but but until- I mean, they both have that really tough as nails, loud, brash yeah. thing going. But at the same time, Shirley Manson's voice, she sang more oh, than yeah. scream. Right, and, right. And they were looking for somebody who didn't scream a lot. Is is I guess what I was uh, yes I was trying to make because yeah sh- yeah Shirley Manson's from from 
yeah, she's Scottish. Scottish right. women are formidable to begin oh, with. Yeah. <laughs> the only ones more formidable are Irish women. Right. No, but I mean, Shirley. Okay. Even when Shirley's saying scornful, it was sexy. Yes. She does have a very, very sexy voice. Very. I mean, just amazingly sexy voice. And so I adore her. You can, you can picture the, 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 the lipstick and, yes. the, and, the, and the, the floaty eyes as she's singing. Yes. Even if she's singing. And they're also on that same damn Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I have to get that for you one day. Um, before we jump over to this we side of the discuss, world. We won't discuss, you know, teenage Sarah stalking around the bedroom singing that damn song either. <laughs> Hairbrushes for microphones. It was bad. What I'll do, everybody, is I'll, I'll get, get a couple of drinks inside and put a microphone <laughs> in front of a face. Right? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Maybe. Um, I bef- can nail all the garbage songs on Rock Band, but yeah. Sweet. Um, before we jump over to this side of the world, uh, we're going to take a brief detour to Ireland. And I mentioned last week I wasn't a big fan, but uh, the Cranberries. Okay. Um, even though they weren't traditional rock and they were more folky, if you take zombie aside. See, right. this, this is the thing. The Cardigans' Love Fool was the kind of oddity. And it became their biggest hit, whereas the rest of the stuff was more hard rocking. Whereas Zombie was more hard rocking, but the Cranberry stuff was more mellow. Right. What did, what did, were you a fan of the Cranberries? Oh my god. That first album, and that second album too, but mainly that first album, that was like the soundtrack to my early teen angst. <laughs> oh my goodness, Linger. Oh. Yes. Oh. Yes. While I wasn't and fa- we all sang it with really bad Irish accents. <laughs> yes. Now, yeah, I wasn't a big fan, but I mean, her voice, I loved her voice. Right. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. And then when you go back and listen to it again, like... After she passed, you know, I was I was listening to a bunch of stuff, and uh, when you're gone, oh, oh, that that guts you, especially now. I mean, it was it's hard to listen to on a normal day, but now that it can be taken a different way, you know what I mean? It's just it's it's. I mean, she's she was such a talented vocalist. Before yes, she was. She was. I mean, not just that multi-talented musician as well. Right. And see, that I, I, I love stuff like that. I love, and it's not just women in rock, just in mm-hmm. general, multi-talented mm-hmm. musicians, you know, uh, folks who can write and sing and play. I mean, that, you know, that that really gets to me. So that kind of takes care of the, the, the major European bands. Right. I mean, there were some more, like uh, Portishead and Skunk and Nancy, and as I mentioned, Sleeper, you know, but um, really the, these were the, were, were the biggest. Um, right. On this side of the world, in my opinion, the biggest band that was led by a female was mm-hmm. No Doubt. Correct. That's right up there, yeah. That first, the, the first couple of albums, I mean, a combination of, of pop, rock, and ska. Oh. Right. Well, I mean, the thing about it is, though, is, okay, the the... The mystique of Gwen Stefani has been distilled a little bit. Yes. Over the years. But, okay. Do you want to know how much of an OG badass rock star she was? Go on. Here's the thing, okay? Not only was she cute and adorable and talented with her, you know, her her little ponytail and the red lips and the blonde hair and, She's just you know, girl. jumping around. Yes. Okay. 
little hook. This right. This this wonderful lady co-wrote all of the, you know all the music. She wrote yeah. all the lyrics to everything. Yeah. Right. Okay. So she had been in a relationship with the bassist Tony. They break up. She writes a multi-platinum <laughs> selling album about their breakup, performs it for years, and makes him play it on stage with her while she sings about how bad he screwed up for years. On the one hand, that's badass in his defense. After he probably heard Don't Speak for the first time, he he, he, he probably thought, you know what? This is going to be a big hit. I'm going to be able to live off this. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's going to get some royalties. Right. Now, you know, subsequent albums, you know, all the boys get the girls on the back. Yeah, I uh, mean, you know. Yeah. And her, her solo, I'm not a fan of her solo stuff. I'll be completely honest. Um, it's just, it's 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 not the, the style of music that I enjoy. We could, we could tie Hollaback Girl back to Courtney. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, right. But, I mean, no doubt were, they had talent and they had an attitude. Yes. And it was, you know, it was a good attitude. Right. But it was an attitude nonetheless. If, if that makes sense. I mean, they're, um, you know, just random trivia. Um, their, fir- their very first album, long before uh, Tragic Kingdom, um, their very first album had a single on it, which is where I had first heard them, once again, 120 Minutes. Yeah. Um, called Trapped in a Box, which yes. is awesome. Yes, it is. Um, in fact, her- you, your awesome just sounded like half the lyrics. And right. <laughs> right. Um, that's back when Gwen's brother, who was a founding member of the band, yes. was still on, on keyboard. Now, their drummer actually was not their original drummer. No. Their drummer um, was originally a fan who used to follow them to every single show that they went on. And he learned all the songs as a fan just because he, you know, he wanted to learn all their songs. Right. And so when their drummer left, he was like, oh, snap. So, <laughs> I mean, he he just jumped up on the kit and went off. And, of course, because he knew everything by heart. Yeah. So which is just fabulous. Uh, was it Travis Barker, Bane? No, no. Uh, right? <laughs> Greatest so, drummer of life. Um, but, um, I don't know. Patty Schimmel's good. <laughs> what about uh, the one album wonder that was for non-blondes? Oh, my God. Okay. Now... For kids out there, that's the He-Man song. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay, this is Linda Perry. Oh my God, Linda Perry. Okay, Linda Perry does not get enough credit. Most people, No, she doesn't. People today, especially younger fans of music, just in general, um, all of you who came of age in the early noughts, you have no idea how much your you know current library um is dependent or was dependent on linda perry's either direct or indirect influence yeah everyone from pink to james blunt <laughs> yeah um yes yes beautiful was written in her bathroom I should have stayed there oh shush you um if you can find the linda perry and pink uh sessions um, there yeah. are there are some wonderful YouTube videos out there. They're very good. That are awesome. Um, 
But Linda Perry has had her fingers in many musical pies. Um, oh, oh, she helped co-write co and um, produce the, the Courtney's American Sweetheart. <laughs> there you go, see? <laughs> okay, so yeah, six degrees of everywhere. All right, but, um, and she is now happily married to Sarah Gilbert, who most know from, um, Roseanne. Roseanne. So, and one of those, you know, there was the talk, the chew, the view, whatever. There's one of those, those shows with 57, you know, yeah. females sitting around a table, and she's on one of them. Whichever one Sharon Osbourne is on, that's the one she's on. Sharon! So, um. It's talking about it, fine. Right, but yeah, Linda and Sarah are married with a little one now, which is great because Linda is awesome and deserves all kinds of happiness. And, and she so. does. That, that To me, that's always struck me as the most oddest couple ever. Well, not really. They have the same hair. Yeah, well, yeah. They have the same piece <laughs> of top hats, too. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, Linda, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, and, and, and even if you don't know, somebody listening can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, from what I can remember in interviews and whatnot over the years, you know, they came out with Four Non Blondes. They did the Bigger, Better, Faster, More album. Yep. Um, Great album, by the way. Yes. The, I, I, oh, God. I think, was it the Grammys or the... Some award show that year, and I don't remember what it was, but um, it was one of them. Um, Phil Collins was a presenter. <laughs> Or an introducer. Or something. Leech. Right. Oh, stop it. <laughs> and I will... Uh, I remember being... God, I was what? This is a 94? You're about 13, 14. Right. Yeah. So, um, I remember them bringing on... He had to introduce them. And he was talking about the album. And, of course, the album's title is Bigger, Better, Faster, More. It was like, oh, it was, he made some stupid joke that I can remember to this day okay. about how, um, you know, it, 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 something, you know, and if you get to their album, which is, you know, a, a title, something that my wife has never had to say or so. <laughs> and I remember, I remember being just scandalized at my little young age, looking at Phil Collins of all people making a sex joke on TV. Yeah, take a look at me now. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 not anymore. Nope. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, sorry. No, that's that's real. We sort of were. Um, a couple of honorable mentions for produ for bands with predominant females in there. Go to Smashing Pumpkins. DRC. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Ash with uh, Charlotte Hathaway, and uh, I think I mentioned Skunk and Nancy. Uh, weird, weird band. Love them. Uh, so. We move on. We've now talked about the groups. Let's talk about the the, the solo artists of the of mm -hmm. the of the decade. Uh, uh, uh. And we, right, and we're going to start with uh, with Polly Jean. We're going to start okay. with Polly Jean Harvey. Okay. P. J. Harvey, a fantastic singer songwriter. For those of you who not here to, um, she was playing as like a session session <laughs> session musician. <laughs> yes. And backing vocalist of some small town band, and. Her and the rhythm section kind of broke off. Right. As one does. And formed the PJ Harvey Trio. Mm-hmm. They were so bad at their first gig that everybody walked up and the barman threw money at them and said, you've been paid, get off my stage. 
That's fabulous. And, he, and even she admitted, you know, later it was like, yeah, it probably wasn't the best. Right. Uh, I think she had three or four really, really good albums that came out during the 90s. And for my sins, I didn't hear about her. I wasn't following that deep into music at that time. Uh, I started following deep into music when I was like 16. Right. And she released an album in 2000 or 2001 called uh, Stories from the City, Stories from the Sea. Mm-hmm. And that's a fantastic album. I could talk about that album all day. Right. Um, you know, cameos with Tom York, um, real, real good production value. Her voice. One thing I love about PJ Harvey is her voice. Yes. She's just like, it sounds very, very haunting without effects on it. Right. Which is very, very hard to do. Right. Um, I think, I, like I said, I think she's fantastic. She's a fantastic guitar player, multi-talented musician, songwriter, producer, the works. That's why she's one of my favorite female musicians. My female musicians, one of my favorite musicians right. of all time anyway. Um, do you have any, any insight into PJ? I was, I, I was again. Oh, you've, was you, a, you've hit the highlights on that one, honey. Well, what I mean is, you know, over on this side of the world, was it another one of these, she wasn't on radio in, you know, Okay, from, where, from here, right. I mean, down here, she's she wasn't, unless you were an MTV head, you know, like yeah. I was. Um, Back when they played music? Right. You didn't really hear much of her. Okay. So. I got you. I got you. Okay, and after PJ, another non-American female musician with a lot of spunk, Alanis Morissette. Alanis. 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 Okay. But I grew up on Alanis. Like, I mean, back on, you can't do that on television. True. Back in the 80s. And that was like, that was my first TV show that I remember. And and for all of you youngins out there, that's where sliming comes from. Yes, That is where Nickelodeon got, you know, started sliming people was that show. Was there anybody else on that show? Who we might know? Oh, gosh. Oh, was there just a lot of people on there? That there we was a lot of okay. people. Yeah, we'd have to go back and look. But um, it was it was a show that was originally made in Canada. Oh, okay. So, so they used liters of slime instead of gallons. <laughs> right. But um, I remember just being little, little. And coming home from... I mean, it was a show I had no business watching at like five, six, seven years old. <laughs> but my mom was, you know, pimp tight like that. So, um, I absolutely adored that show. So, I mean, I grew up on Alanis, and when I saw her again, you know, as a musician in the 90s, I was like, whoa. Jagged Little Pill, I listened to, I've I've listened to it recently. Right. And mainly for the episode we're going to do next week. But, um, one of the things that strikes me about that album is... How much of a bastard Dave Coulier was? Well, that's that. Um... (laughs) Right, because I I hadn't I don't hear the the singles and you mm-hmm. know you ought to know was like all over the place you know when it when it was released oh, yeah that was every angry young woman's anthem back in the day for for for, for modern listeners that's it's 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 a much better song much better breakup song than say uh, when he cheats by uh, not Kelly Clarkson the other American Carrie Idol, Underwood Carrie Underwood there's only two of them I can yeah. remember um, so I listened to the album. And I was expecting this whole angry, screw you guys, screw the world kind of, you know, Courtney Love is my new BFF. And, <laughs> and I was shocked that it was as mellow as it was. Right. Um, is that typically true of a lot of Alanis' work? Is it more mellow than what the singles, I guess, from that? Well, yeah, I mean, once, once she worked through her issues, I mean... 
um, as you go on and and to further albums, I mean, Thank You was a beautiful oh. song. Isn't that the video where she cut her hair? No, that's the video where she was naked. With yeah, the, and they hair. cut her hair. Oh, I can't. I, Yes, yes. Yes, it's that, the video yeah. that where she, I mean, okay. Do you think I, look, look, I saw that video when I was 15, 16, whenever it was out. I was a young, <laughs> you just I was saw young, Baps, right? I just, I, I just saw <laughs> hair covering boob. I mean, you know, sue me. And then you just, yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, she, again, she's a very, very good musician. Right. Very talented songwriter. Right. So on and so forth. And, of course, the only person on this list who you can say is God. This is true. She is God. Yes, thank you, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith, get yes. well soon, buddy. Yes. Um, those of you who don't know, Kevin Smith had a heart attack two days ago. So, oh, two days ago when I recorded this, right? Anyway. So it'd be four days. I don't know. Anyway, get well soon, buddy. Oh, um, and then Alan Rickman will never hear the voice of God again. Oh, why did you bring that up? I'm so sorry. <sighs> but Alanis is still here. The voice isn't here. But this but, is true. God is. And we'll always have Chris Rock. Yeah. Alan Rickman's not here. Affleck's still alive. Um, mm. I like Ben Affleck. I'm sorry. So do I. Anyway, um, but not again. Alana's fantastic. She, you know, she's awesome and deserves everything that you know. Every, every success that she's had her way, especially the cover of uh, My Humps that she did a couple of years ago. That was so funny yet so good at the same time. And I think that's that's what Alanis has a talent. She you know. she can make any song good. Yeah. You give her a, a piano and she can take even the most asinine song like Black Eyed Peas, My Humps and and make it just haunting and beautiful. And she even did a video for yes. it. And Fergie <laughs> sent her like like, I mean, if I'm not, if I remember correctly, Fergie filled her dressing room with roses after she heard it. And, and oh, yeah. So, um, maybe she could remix that, uh, Fer- Fergie's national anthem performance from the <laughs> oh, other day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a little salty this evening, y'all. Yes. Yes, yes you are. Um, well, if it makes you happy, I guess. Sorry, Yay. that worst segue ever. I know, I know that was yes. too But uh, Cheryl Crow, yes, lover. I lo- I love Cheryl Crow too. I think Cheryl is the mom. I guess I'm running out of of ways to say how much I love singer songwriter females who play instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a bad song on Tuesday Night Music Club. No, there isn't. It's a damn good album. Mm-hmm. Um, multi talented musician in the sense that all right, Alanis plays guitar. All right. Uh, Elastica, Justin Frischman played guitar. Um, Shirley Manson sometimes gets on the keys. Uh, you know, so on and so forth. Cheryl Crow is the only female musician that I've seen that has played multiple instruments on stage live. Like, she broke up with a the guitar, then she got behind the piano, then she an got... Accordion. Uh, no, an accordion. <laughs> an accordion. Accordion, uh, All bass right. guitar. Alright. I mean, you know... So... She can hold her own on stage with Clapton. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then again, you know. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, Cheryl Crow was fantastic. I mean, well, is fantastic. A long, long relationship with uh, Lance Armstrong, mm-hmm. which thankfully, unlike Justine Frischman, she was able to. You know, that was. A foot, was she was, that was a, a bigger foot, internationally before that relationship. Yeah, I mean, it was a footnote in 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 right. her thing as opposed to being you know the 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 the, the, the attention bit. But I mean. 
some some of the songs I love if it makes you happy. Mm-hmm. I that's one of my favorite songs. I wish I could get in that range and wobble it. I can't I I can't sing to begin with, but I can't even attempt to sing that because my voice goes. You know, right? And I remember, you know, what I love about Cheryl is her first album. It just showed how much of a musician she was, yes. right? But she didn't go. I mean, she was just her. She was just this down to earth. Which is hilarious when you realize that she made her, um, you know, she she got into the business by being a, a backup singer for Michael Jackson. Really? Which, yes. I did not know that. Yes. Yeah. You know, YouTube is your friend. <laughs> um, they actually did a couple of duets together on stage back in on some of his tours. Interesting. Yeah. Cheryl with a perm and really big <laughs> 80s hair. Oh, yes. Glorious. But her first album, you know, she was just this down home earth mama you know who could just rock it out you know what i mean this california earth mama thing yeah type chick and then her second album you know she she sort of morphed her persona and i remember again back in the day i was because i knew what i couldn't listen to here right and and this is before youtube and uh lime wire etc was not a thing at at this point in time we still had, um, no, it was before, uh, what's your diddle? Napster. Yeah, was, this is pre-Napster. Oh, shut up. But. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm. But, I mean, like, um, you could watch MTV and VH1 and people would send in, um, you know, like, uh, there would be a scrolling or people could comment yeah. on videos. Yeah, I know what you mean. Right. And so, I mean, I would watch, I like, I would record music videos all day, every day. Yep. When I could. But I remember, like, this watching and just being completely baffled when all of these guys started um, commenting on the If It Makes You Happy video because that was the first, you know, sex symbol Cheryl. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh my God, Cheryl got hot. And I'm like, she's <laughs> always gorgeous. What the hell? But I mean, you put, you put any chick, you know, and, and red lipstick and a, and yeah. a, and a mini skirt and the boys tend to Hello. perk up a little bit. Yeah. That's, that, that's a sad, sad mm-hmm. indictment of, of, yeah. of my people. Yeah. Um, uh, Cheryl Crow kind of has reinvented herself over the last couple of years. Quite a few times. Uh, she now does more. Uh, country stuff yes so that's you know that's i think that's really really cool that you know any musician can go Mm -hmm. from genre to genre and knock it out of the park you know um i want to hear has she done any duets with darius rucker that you know of not that i'm aware because that would be a good one Uh. i mean she's already she did that you know that's and that's really to this day the only kid rock song i can i could really uh (laughs) still I, i can't stomach is picture um cheryl's wonderful at duets yes she is she is i mean she's, she's fabulous at everything but yeah of course she is i mean she's she's cheryl Crow. i mean yeah. you know but um no i, I again I, I, for me I, I, I love her music I, I think that she's again wonderfully talented and you know dang i want to sing if it makes you happy at the top of my lungs but i can't thank you vocal cords um <laughs> i want to interject someone here sure go ahead fiona apple fiona apple i knew i forgot someone yes she was not on your list so i'm interjecting her right here Interject. because she fits uh fiona is another one of those multi um instrumental yep. ladies um made her debut 
um, with her first single, Shadow Boxer, at the age of 18. Recorded everything at 17. Debuted at 18. Mm-hmm. Which, at the time, I mean, the closest thing that we would have to Fiona Apple now is Lord. Okay. I mean, but this is the, but that was, she was our generation's Lord, I guess you could say. I mean, she wrote these, you know, big haunting songs and, you know, um, had, had, had a beef with Courtney. <laughs> um, Can't get away from her, can you? All right. Um, no, but I mean, she was just amazing. And then she, uh. She sort of, of fail, you know, faded into the background of everything after that MTV acceptance speech when she told people, she told all the kids listening that the world was bullshit. Ooh. And and after that was back when that was still a big no-no. Yeah. And she sort of faded away to the ether, which was really sad because she was awesome. A lot of people fell afoul of MTV Mm-hmm. In, in the 90s and never kind of made it back yeah Fiona Apple that's a, that's a great shout and apologies to Fiona Apple fans I'm sorry I missed it um, I can also there's a couple of other names who off the top of my head I missed but we'll get to them here in honorable mention I guess uh, talking to multi-talented multi-instrumental people Tori Amos yeah, oh yes uh, we can do like six episodes, on episodes Tori. of Tori basically put you put any form of keyed instrument in front of her mm-hmm. and she could play it as good as anybody who whoever has um wonderful voice fantastic lyricist um like Karis matthews a poet more than right but she also there's no one in the business who hates tori no no nicest nicest woman in rock she's the molly holly of rock (laughs) (laughs) i mean there but there's no one i mean and Tori, I've never heard Tori have a, a bad word about anybody. No. Um, I remember this. Uh, somebody was asking her about um, uh, Trent Reznor and how, you know, let me back up for a second. Tori was the first spokesman for spokesperson for Rain. Yes. Wonderful charity. Right. And right about this time, um, someone was try- was basically, some interviewer was trying to, to, get, to get her to say something that they could spin as something negative. Right. As they tend to do sometimes. And I don't know exactly how it was worded, the question. But it, what they were trying to do was get some quote from her uh, in the negative about... Uh, Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor's anger and how it can be perceived as anger against women. Right. And at which point she pointed out that, you know, unless Trent actually had done something to someone, then that's, then, then, you know, she wasn't going to judge him for anything. But as far as his anger goes, you know, she said that, you know, you don't get that anger without being hurt. And that you can't hurt that much without having a heart that big to begin with. Ooh. And now I'm I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, obviously. Yes. But that has stuck with me, just as much as any of her lyrics have over the years. Because when you you know when you meet people who were just so angry, there's a there, reason they're angry. There, there's a reason, and it could be. Now some people are just a holes to be a holes. <laughs> I mean, I'm, well, yeah. Yeah. But. 
you know, some people are angry all the time because they're hurt and they're hurt because they had a heart that big to begin with. And, you know, it was just one of those, one of the many life lessons that Tori passed along through the years. Um, but, um, yeah, Tori, Tori's music has saved many a person. Yes, definitely. I mean, I think, I again, I think she's fantastic. I'm not a big fan. I haven't listened to as much as maybe I should have called myself a music fan, but what I have heard has, has, has been absolutely fantastic. Um, in my head, when you were talking about the uh, MTV thing, the only thing I could think of was Tony Katane trying to goad Florence Henderson into smacking her on, the, on VH1 oh, a few years ago. <laughs> my God. <laughs> yeah. Talk about obscure reference. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to have a bad VH1 habit. Yes. That was about the time of Flavor of Love, huh? Oh, yeah. Flavor of Love, yes. Mm-hmm. The man. Yep, yep, yep. Um, well, talking of eccentric musicians, Bjork. Ah, uh, yes. What can you say about Bjork? Unique. Yes. Multi-styled. Yes. Multi-talented. Swan dress. Swan dress. Yes. Um, very Icelandic princess. Overprotective of her of her children, quite As rightly she so. Be. Uh, there have been at least two instances where she's punched paparazzos right As in the face, should. as she should. Who's trying to get pictures of her and her kids? Mm-hmm. Leeches, all of them. Um, I just, I, I'm not gonna be able to say much about Bjork, but because I mean, all. you can't you can't listen to it's so so quiet and not just be blown away. Yeah, it's it's a masterpiece. And that's not even her best song. No. That's just what most people, the first one that they hear is. And and you find that with a lot of musicians too, not just, right. you know, their, their most famous song is not their best song. <coughs> Wonderwall. <coughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, no, sh- sh- still going strong to this day. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these folks we were talking about, the, the bands have either split up or they're not as active. And looking at her discography when I was writing the blog this week, um, it looks like she averages an album every two years. Right. Which, you know... It's not bad. It's not bad. So she's released basically 12 or 13 albums in the last 25 years. And, you know, they're all of high quality. Yeah. I mean, really high quality. Of course. And, they're Bjork. Right? I mean, you know, they, they, they were when they got released, they were released to euphoric praise. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Just, just a fantastic musician, humanitarian, political activist. You know, there's very little. You know, very little I can leave. You don't want to get on her bad side, though. No, he has a mean right hook. No, I mean, I know Iceland technically isn't Scandinavia, but she's still got that Scandinavian temper. (laughs) You know, I mean, my aunt was from Scandinavia. I've, Mm -hmm. I've I've seen. Um, (laughs) We also have, and let's let's throw some honorable mentions out there real quick. Uh, Melissa Etheridge. Uh, Poe, mm-hmm. Liz Fair, yes. Sarah McLaughlin. Yes. Uh, I missed those from the list. So, <laughs> but I mean, again, all talented, all songwriters, all singers. You know, real, real. Yeah, ma- I mean, Melissa Etheridge is the female Tom Petty. Yeah. Point yeah, blank. I can. I, yeah, I can. I can completely see what th- four chords. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh. But um, one of the things you mentioned when I was trying to get this research and everything mm-hmm. is that uh, the idea of counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, for every female act out there, mm-hmm. for every male act out there, excuse me, there was a female Yang, you know, the Yin to mm-hmm. the Yang. So you said um, 
Nine Inch Nails. And Tori. And Tori. Um, you also said, if I remember rightly, it was Nirvana and I think you said Liz Fair. Who was kind of the opposite but the same. Yes. Can, can you elaborate on what, what they kind of brought? What the yin and yang was? Yeah. Okay. Um... Well, let's back it up. We'll, we'll look at the first example. We'll okay. look at, at Tori and, and Trent. Again, I mean, take the, the quote mentioned earlier aside. Um, you know, it's... If you looked at a CD collection, anybody's CD collection, if you looked at their CD rack back in the day, um, you know, and, and you put together some eclectic playlists, you know, actually back then you would have to, to record it onto a tape and make a mixtape, but you know, whichever. That's where mixtape comes from. I know, it right? On a tape. Yes. So if you made a mix, um, there, those are, you know, you would look at the male acts and the female acts that could coexist peacefully, even if they weren't quite the same genre of music. Okay. But you would know that someone who owned one would might own the other okay you know what i mean it was probable that they own the other and that they could coexist on the same mixtape without somebody's you know Getting without hearing the metaphorical record scratch and the eh? okay i understand okay i understand what you mean now right so if you know like um you you could you could listen to perfect drug on the same mixtape as called a light sneeze so i mean it, it, no one would think twice about it because okay, so it's 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 stuff that you'd listen to that wouldn't seem out of place, right? Okay, they go together like peanut butter jelly time. Go together like a like ham and cheese, beans and beans and toast. Ah, burkham and ornery. Oh, what ifs? Yeah, you're still gloating from Sunday. Uh, of course I am. Well, wouldn't be? She's a city fan. Mm-hmm. And she's a City fan because of the Gallagher brothers, not because of the money. Right. I'm an Arsenal fan because I liked yellow <laughs> over red. And all my family were Liverpool fans. And I remember watching the mm-hmm. yellow team beat the red team in the last minute and win the league in 89, baby. Okay. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that I noticed in the 90s was this trend of pop stars right. trying their hand at rock music. Mm. Kind of, you know. Now, I'm not saying that the, you know they should have stayed in the lane or anything. Like they actually were kind of successful. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was you don't see that that often these days. It's usually people from other genres going into pop. I mean, look at Pink. Mm-hmm. She was R&B and then went straight into pop. Uh, Taylor Swift, country now pop. Right. But in the '90s, there was kind of this weird dichotomy of pop stars wanting to rock out. Right. Uh, Kylie Minogue was the biggest example. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Kylie Minogue was supposed to sing on the Manx Street Preachers album in 1991. Mm-hmm. Her place was taken by uh, Tracy Lords, right? Of all people, because mm. um, the record, her record label didn't want her to do, have anything to do with any alternative music or anything like that, ruin her image. But in the mid 90s, she kind of switched her act from this bubblegum pop to more dark, right? You know, indie stuff, for lack of a better term. Um, I think she had a relationship with Michael Hutchins at some point as well. Either a friendship mm, or something mm-hmm. more. And that influenced her style as well. Right. And she had a big, big friendship with James Bradfield of the Manic Street Preachers. And just, she went really, really dark. 
and it was it, it's really really odd seeing seeing that because the little diminutive Kylie who <laughs> never said a bad word about anyone suddenly told you know singing stuff that wouldn't sound out of place on on an XS album or a Manchester Preachers album. You know, um, another one who who did that was Mel C of the Spice Girls. Right. Her actual first dip into rock was with a duet with Brian Adams. If God loves us, why did he give us Brian Adams? <laughs> Canadian musicians kind of fall into that. Canadian musicians kind of fall into that hole. They're either really, really good, or we hate them. No, Brian's okay. That was a quote from a friend of mine from back in the day. No, um. Oh. Okay. Although Nickelback, there the, does hold true to that. Bieber. Bieber. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Avril. See? see, Avril. Yeah, there you go. Avril Lavigne married Chad Kroger, I think. That's the most Canadian thing ever. I think everybody's too polite to say that it'll be bland. Oh, they're no. already divorced though. Oh well, the th- thing is again, I'll, I'll Nickelback hate. I never understand it. Justin Bieber hate. I can understand it partially, but as a musician, he's there to be he's, respected. He's a damn good musician. Yeah, but um, Mel C did a duet with Brian Adams. Yes. When you're gone, worldwide smash hit. I love that song. I think it's great. I don't care if anybody else. And that kind of gave her ideas, not necessarily above her station, but right. um, while the rest of the Spice Girls solo stuff was kind of in the same vein, she released it with she she kicked off with a uh i think it was a response to uh the sex pistols and she cut her hair short got her tattoos out and just started right. rocking right you know uh, going down i think it was the name of the, was the name of the first track on her first solo album and it was just a complete image change you know? well yeah i mean she went from being this you know wholesome yeah. chavy yeah <laughs> I mean, oh, she was the one in the tracksuit. I'm not saying that to be, you know, whatever, but it was the 90s. And yeah, you put, so it's, you put it's the true. sporty one in a tracksuit with the ponytail. And the hooped earrings. Yeah, so... Yes. No, I understand, I understand. Um, but uh, ironically, she's the, you know, she's the Ringo Starr of the Spice Girls. The biggest selling Spice Girl. Ringo Starr's the biggest selling Beatle. Seriously. I don't think he is anymore. I think that's changed. But up until like five or ten years ago, he certainly was. Yeah. Because, I mean... Well, Paul keeps steadily cranking stuff out. Yeah, but you can only find it in the bargain bin at Starbucks these days. Well, <laughs> perhaps, but not since... Okay, pre-digital age, Ringo. Yeah, okay. Ringo was the, the best-selling solo Beatle. But with... Um, people buy a lot of singles, obviously, yeah. in the digital age. And so I think... Paul, Paul might have... Paul or John. <sighs> Either well, I don't know I don't know who is the the leader, but I'm pretty I'm I'm fairly certain and someone correct me if I'm wrong that both John and Paul have edged him out single wide. Shame really because you know Thomas the Tank Engine deserves better. Yes, those Thomas you, always deserves the, better. For those of you who don't know, Ringo Starr was the voice of Thomas the Tank Engine in the UK. Yes, I and, was shocked. And was here before Carlin took over. Yeah, took th- that's over. the weirdest thing ever. George Carlin doing a kids show. He hated kids. Well, he, <laughs> he, did he atta- not. Well, he attested on his state on stage that he he, he hated kids. But, you like that paycheck though? Oh yeah, I love George Carlin. George Carlin probably loved kids too. Um, but we also had slow and folk rockers too in the nineties. Uh, Lisa Loeb. Oh, Lisa Loeb. Who looks like you when you wear the, the certain kind of glasses. <laughs> Another one of your favorites, Jewel. Yes. And one of my favorites. And look, I'll be completely honest. This was just because of the lead singer. Uh, <laughs> She's on the list. 
she was the list for a long, long time. <laughs> now that I've grown up, you know, I, I, I feel, I feel guilt for my list. Let's put it that way. Um, the cause. Mm-hmm. Grip end. Brothers bet crazy. Uh, but you know what? Most brothers and bands are bet crazy. No, we're talking like you know. Uh, like legit crazy. Yeah. He's probably got a tin file fedora. Mm, <laughs> right. So, um, and also in the nineties, there was country girls who tried more, who had the rock, who had a more rock attitude. Oh yeah, so you like, had the country Spice Girls, which were the Dixie the, Chicks. Yeah, the Dixie Chicks, and man, they they kicked they they I kicked mean, up they, a few beehives. Right. Well, yeah, but I mean, okay, deservedly Dixie, so. Dixie Chicks pre George Bush. Right, Dixie Chicks pre the war. Yeah were um loved completely beloved um they especially when their pulses were torn off the wall well, <laughs> right no they were um they were highly talented of course they, they, they've yeah. always been talented but you know they were the darlings of country music they were country's response to the spice girls dressed like them you know whatnot um then the the war happened in the early knots yep and uh things sort of went to poo afterward because people lost their damn minds um and then one of my favorite songs ever came out of that and one of our favorite documentaries that we still that that we still quote all the time um it came out of that interesting enough the album in that documentary the red hot chili peppers was like the the backing band mm-hmm. it was flea and uh chad smith mm-hmm. or oh, will ferrell i think i don't right. know right uh, <laughs> right um yeah i mean those those ladies are just amazing they're absolutely amazing and um even to this day I would highly suggest listening to their version of uh, Wrecking Ball. <laughs> Laugh all you want no, to. I, I, I've heard it. it Again, it. they have this Alanis-type um, ability to take even the weirdest damn song and make it just haunting and beautiful. And and they did a version of Landslide, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And um, the the really cool thing about it is most of the people, the Dixie Chicks, and most of the people that we've talked about um, were in my favorite festival of all freaking time. And I'm going to let you take the floor on this one. Lilith Fair. What Woo! was Lilith Fair for the un- uneducated amongst okay. us, including myself? Lilith Fair was a festival of women artists, um, women-led bands, such as, you know, the Cardigans and whatnot. Um, You know, women-fronted bands, women uh, songwriters, singers. Um, It was, you know, back then, America rediscovered festivals in the 90s. You know, we had had a couple of of successful ones in the 60s, you know, we had... Monterey Pop and Woodstock and all that stuff. Those are mostly one-offs. Though. Right, right. I mean, now the UK, they do festivals all the freaking time. Yeah. I mean, you guys just relish having the opportunity to get drunk in a field with the stage. Right. Like, I think... <laughs> you do it well. I think there are only uh, 
three major ones in the UK. Glast- Glastonbury, Reading. Reading and Leeds, and I think Tea in the Park in Scotland. Right. Well, either way, y'all y'all do it quite well. Yes. Whereas, you know, we... Well, I think it's because we're so freaking big. Yeah, that's true. You know? Um, but in 94, uh, we decided, let's do another Woodstock for some reason. And it was horrible. Mud fight. Yes. No, it was horrible. It was... It, it, it was a screams bunch of ass kids and nothing screams anti-establishment more than six dollar bottled water. Well, yeah, there was that too, <laughs> and this was in '94. But oh, um, right, but I mean, just kids are being rude to vendors and tearing stuff down, and I just ugh, this is why we can't have nice things. So Bloody um, millennials, right? <laughs> um. No, these were some. These were my people, Gen X or crappers. I'm a millennial, guys. Don't, don't, don't fight. Remember, the hate mail goes to at Donald Trump, right? Um, so uh, at real Donald Trump, at real Donald. So, Trump. um, but you know, you had Woodstock came back, and then you had Lollapalooza, and all this stuff, and and women weren't getting, as we've discussed, their their rightful. You know, representation. They weren't getting equal representation. And so Sarah McLaughlin, you know, um, who, if you're not familiar with her, if you've ever seen the, a commercial with a dog looking sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You've heard her. Um, so Sarah McLaughlin got together with some folks at her record label and snatched up her bestie, Paula Cole. And um, decided to make a music festival. And it was fabulous. And there were CD box sets. Now, keep in mind, I didn't live in a town where that was cool enough for Little Affair to come here. Um, nor did was there one in driving distance for me at the time. So, Dallas I lived on... Um, uh, I lived on the release of the box sets every year for the festival. But all of these wonderful ladies that were mentioned um, had, uh, you know, they got together with multiple stages and whatnot. I mean, we're talking Sinead O'Connor did one year, Dixie Chicks, uh, Sean Colvin, um, Alanis did one year, The Cardigans, Lisa Loeb, I think, uh, Cheryl Crow. Um, in fact, there's a recording, if, if I'm not mistaken... Um, again, Cheryl Crow and duets. Cheryl Crow did a song. I think it was a, a it was a Cheryl Crow song that was strong enough with the Dixie Chicks. Yes, uh, that was recorded originally at Little Affair. Really? Yes. Um, or at least there was a version of it done at Little Affair. Okay. Um, the Cranberries, if I'm not mistaken, uh, performed at Little Affair. I mean, it was just, Tori's done it too. If, I mean, I could be wrong on that last one. I don't know if that was. If, if you were a female musician in the 90s, you played Lilith Fair. You played Lilith Fair because it was a place to go where people were coming to listen to the music. People weren't coming to see what, what your bra cup size was. And it was fabulous. It was amazing. It, it was a pure music festival. Right. And um, some of my favorite versions of songs are from those multi-cd box sets um paula cole has a song called mississippi and if you could find it off of um the little the second little fair composition it is just the most beautiful gut-wrenching 
um, version. And the thing also, Little Fair was multi-genre. Yes. I mean, Queen Latifah was was there. Um, uh, lots of different R&B and rap acts and whatnot. Um, they were good to mama. Right, right. Oh, great. Now I'm going to have Chicago songs <laughs> in my head all the You night. planted that seed in my head yeah, so 40 had years coming. ago. You oh. had it coming. He ran into my eye. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. Anyway, so you dirty bum. Thank you. Um, <laughs> That's what she's done for me, guys. No more football musicals. Uh, but uh, if you'd have been there, if you'd have seen it, you would have done the same. No, but Little Fair was just amazing. And then... All good things must come to an end because eventually it got commercialized. Yeah. And um, they finished it in the early knots and then a few years later they tried to do a, a revamp of it and it was just, it wasn't the same. It wasn't as organic anymore. Um, basically, you could roll, back in the day, you could roll up uh, to, to Little Fair and it, you know, all the girls walking around looking like the sisters from Charmed. I mean, you know, <laughs> there were, I mean, you know, there would be people there with, there would be some that would be completely dolled up, um, but you, you know, there were booths there with everything from holistic herbs to, I mean, just everything, and it was just... Then it, it ended with $8 water. As, <laughs> as things usually do, because this is why we can't have nice things, but... um yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. Like if if you weren't able to catch a show, because I mean they they took it across the country. Um, yeah, I was going to ask about yeah, that. Yeah, it was a touring touring festival. Yes, and that's I think that's one of the ways that you guys uh, compensate for the fact that this is such a big place. You two with the festival. I know they're like Blink One Eighty Two played the Skating Festival. Yeah, the Vans Warped Tour, Ozfest, Ozfest. Now Coachella doesn't, but they have two. Um, Two weekends. Yeah, and I, and South by Southwest doesn't either. Right, but that's like two weeks. Yeah, I don't know. Or, or you know, if you're um. Oh, I can't think of it. I could see if I could see his face. Uh, if you're Ja Rule, you could just pretend you're gonna have a festival <laughs> on an island. <laughs> it's on fire. Right. Uh, so um. Now talking to festivals and and fem- females in the UK, I don't know if it's been a law or if it's just a, an agreement. I have to look on that. But um, festival organizers have agreed to balance the um, the uh card, mm-hmm. the performance on that. Right. So there's going to be like um, let's I, I'll use nineties bands as an example because I can't think of any right. crap music these days. Mm-hmm. Um, if Nirvana play on night one as a headline slot, Hall would play night two with a headline slot, and they'd kind of, you know, the equality mm-hmm. between the acts. Right. Do you think, and we're going to wrap up with this question, in terms of recognition, in hindsight, female, me, me, rock musicians in the 90s, both male and female, were as equally talented as each other. And what I mean by that is, um, and, and I say looking back in hindsight, um, you know, if you just played, okay, look, cards on the table. I know that right now we live in an unequal world when it comes to men and women in terms of credit and in right. terms of, of so on and so forth. But compared to what it was in the 90s, we are much further ahead than what we used to be. All right. So, you know, even though even though right now it's not as equal as it, right. as it should be, which is 100% equal, 
let's just say it's 85% equal right now, it was only maybe 65% in the 90s, right? Just give or take. Well, yes, okay. Behind the scenes, probably. I mean, I don't know. Well, yeah, I'm gonna, I mean, I don't know contracts and representation, all that stuff. No, I, no, no. I don't know how much more men got paid than women in the 90s. I know it was a lot. I, I mean, more, to, more along the lines of critical acclaim. Critical acclaim? Well, I mean, it's hard to use the 90s for that simply because the 90s were the first breakout. Yeah. So, I mean, women rock acts or in the in the 90s were like you know women's doo-wop acts in the 60s i mean they were just everywhere right and which were which was amazing were they getting the same recognition as the guys um it was closer than it ever had as damn like you sure closer than the 80s okay so i mean but then again in the you know in the in the in the knots it it became less about musicianship and more about showmanship and yeah. marketability. So um, I think it was just this sort of magical bubble. You know what I mean? Like from from ninety to ninety nine, from you know from the you know the, the beginning until you know Brit Brit stepped onto the scene basically. <laughs> um, you know when when women were. It was less about TNA and more about G chords. Yeah. Instead of G strings. I get you. I get you. And it was, it was, it was magical. And we who grew up, you know, females who grew up in that time were so blessed. You know what I mean? Like we got to see women go on stage, you know, like women like Sheryl Crow, who her very first entire album it was it was less about what she looked like and and everything and everything about what she could do. Yeah, and that doesn't happen anymore. Now women have to, you know, they have to get over. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and they have to to sell the image before they can sell their music. Which sucks. Which sucks. But it is what it is, and that you know it it happens in cycles, and that happened in the seventies and eighties. And so hopefully, excuse me, um, and so hopefully... In the next three to five years? In the next, in the next, if the cycle holds true, you know, in the next few years, we'll see that again. Sweet. And I'm looking forward to it. Yes. Because, and I mean, like, you know, I, I grew up with Brit Pop. Right. And most, like I said uh, last week, most of the female artists in the UK, save the, the handful that we've mentioned here, mm-hmm. they were they were pop, but they were more edgy pop. Mm-hmm. I guess the, the way you can describe it would be adult contemporary. <laughs> you know, as, as you do it now, they weren't necessarily they weren't bubblegum pop. They were, right. you know they they were talking about adult issues, and but in the UK, it was more you know genres were intermingling with each other right and they were accepted you'd have like a it's rock fusion. band yeah yeah you'd have you'd have um the chemical brothers opening for oasis right you know they couldn't be too further away in terms of the style of music but they were treated equally whereas you know now genres are, are, are barricaded over here it seemed like female artists were getting more and more respect as rock stars because they were equally as talented uh, equally as musician, equal musicianship, equal songwriting, you know, and 
as we mentioned with the grunge movement last week, the guys coming through didn't see the females as anything more than right. They're, they're, con- they're contemporaries as right. opposed to, you know, that's a hot chick, you know. Right. So, all right, Sarah, the last two weeks have been really, really good. We've got one more week to go. Mm-hmm. And we're going to take a look at four albums that you picked ding, ding, ding. of some of the greatest female rock acts of the 90s, four albums. They are Tuesday Night Music Club, mm-hmm. Live Through This, right. Jagged Little Pill, yes, and a surprise album. Ooh. It's not really a surprise. We've already done the social media question. It's been in there. I just can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so tired, everybody. All right, Sarah. It's been great talking to you. We will have we will continue our conversation soon. Yes, and, and I'm gonna go to sleep while you mix this. Yes, because in between last recording and this recording, we got a new mattress, and this mattress is so freaking snuggly. Yes, it is. Laying down on it, you almost feel drunk. Yeah. Like I never would have thought to get a um a full memory foam mattress before, but this bad boy is the bomb. And just out of curiosity, if you want to send us a check for endorsing this mattress, yes, you can send it to, it's spelled J-O-H-N, that's John. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I but, didn't give brand names, but it's very nice. No, but so. um, Sarah, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're going to take a quick look at one of the uh, greatest minds of the 90s here in okay. just a second. She knows what I'm talking about. There's a clue who it is. Sarah, we will see you next week. (laughs) Thank you, dear. Are you in need of knowing your future? Are you wanting to reconnect with a lost loved one or say goodbye to that old school friend? Do you need to know if you are going to marry the man or woman of your dreams? Well, even though nothing in this world is able to reach the great beyond, do we have a solution for you? If you go to your email right now, you will find that former playwright and totally not fake Jamaican Miss Cleo has an offer just for you. You have been issued with a special free tarot reading, which you will also be charged for and answered by Miss Cleo herself and definitely not by one of her associates working in a call center. You can have your future read by someone who was not born in California to American parents by using a set of spooky cards that were designed for a card game, not divination, with chilling accuracy. Call us now at 1-800-TOTALLY-NOT-FRAUD and we will give you a special coupon code to use in your compensation package with the Federal Trade Commission. Call today! Just remember, if you draw the death card, that actually means good things. You know, I saw a sign outside a medium's office and it said closed for unforeseen circumstances. So, you know, I, I just I always find a giggle when I see stuff like that. So, guys, if you were on social media, you've probably seen our social media question of this week. And the question was, and I asked it last week on the podcast as well, who was the greatest female musician of all time in rock? I'm going to pick five of the best answers that I've got. Um, one of them is Sarah's opinion. So, we're going to get right into it. Carol from Florida says, Janice, Pink, Stevie Nicks, and Etta James, because she was just awesome. Emma, in the United Kingdom, she says, There are loads. Tina Turner, Pat Benatar, Aretha, Lita Ford, Cher, the list could go on. Uh, Jerry, Shreveport, Louisiana, she says, I have lots of opinions and keep looking at it from different angles. But my final answer 
and Wilson of Heart. You said rock musician. She has an amazing rock voice and she plays guitar, so she bests my other top contenders. Stevie Nicks, Pat Benatar, Joan Jett, and Janis Joplin are also high on my list. Uh, I asked Sarah, she didn't give it in the uh, in the interview, I forgot to ask her during the thing, but she actually said that uh, her greatest female musicians are either Courtney or Stevie Nicks. And finally, we have Travis in Shreveport, Louisiana, who said Selena Gomez. And this is why you don't let family comment on your projects to do. Travis, quit wasting my time. No, I love you, brother. Um, so that's really it for this week. Um, if you guys are on social media, like I mentioned earlier on the show, go to Facebook, Twitter, and Tumblr. Look at Because Maybe Pod. And next week's social media question is this. What is the best album out of Tuesday Night Music Club? Jagged Little Pill, Live Through This, and Last Splash by The Breeders. One thing that we did not talk about was Kim Deal, so I'll I'll get to that at the beginning of next week's episode. But in the meantime, we are going to look at those four albums next week, and once again I'm going to be joined by Sarah for our final lap of the Women of Rock, and I've had a lot of fun producing this, I've had a lot of fun listening to some new music. I hope you guys are listening to it who haven't heard some of this stuff, go and have a look. Um... Especially if you're in America and you haven't heard of things like Catatonia and PJ Harvey and Elastica and so on and so forth. Then again, on the other hand, you know, if you're in the UK, look up Lilifer. That's, you know, that's 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 really what I got. So, guys, uh, until next week, hopefully we'll be back on time, you know, middle of the day as opposed to middle of the night. Uh, hopefully we're back on time. I'm looking forward to doing some more speaking with you. But in the meantime, it's been a very, very hectic weekend and I'm going to shut down. So you guys take it easy and we'll see you next week.